Herman Webster Mudgett of Gilmanton, New Hampshire was born May 16, 1861, the third of five kids. His parents were devout Methodists. He was intelligent and graduated from Phillips Exeter Academy at the age of 16. He married well, had a son, and in his spare time, robbed graves to supply cadavers to medical professors and to commit insurance fraud. A polygamist, a con man, and America's first serial killer who built a home, the murder castle, designed specifically to kill most efficiently in the middle of Chicago. Did he kill five or 60 or several hundred? We might never know, but what we do know is that he killed men, women, and children, and he liked it. This is a case of H.H. Holmes, and this is Outline of a Murder. Throwing so happy down Bethnal Green, this gay youth you might have seen. Tompkins and I with his girl between, oh, what a surprise. I praise the conservatives frank and free, Tompkins got angry so speedily, all in a moment he handed to me, two lovely black eyes. You need to calm down. I'm trying. <laughs> you made my drink a little bit. Mine's full. Yes, it is. Yours is not. I don't know what and happened. And we haven't drank any. I a had a sip, little a sip, sip, but... And it's not even... I don't even know if the drink was... Like, even ever existed. Well, our murders well, this mid-season are supposed to be the past. Yes. Way in the past. 1800s. And that's what I get for not writing down uh-huh. the recipe. So, Sherry has made drink for each one we start from that era yes but now we've had we a glitch we're not drinkers really and <laughs> nope. we we couldn't find the ingredients that she thought she had right we didn't know what some of the words were because you know way back then right a dash a splash That's, right so we, she just made one yeah up in my head yeah so go ahead and taste it because this okay. is what we do a mm-hmm. mid-season historical true crime Mm-hmm. I want mom to taste the drink like she normally does. What on about our... you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And tell me what she thinks of my my invention. Pretty good. It's all right. Basically, it's just lemonade and a shot of vodka. Right. Yeah. It's mild, a little bit sour. I'm it not is. a big sour person. But it will suffice for our next case, which is H.H. Holmes. Which really, this drink is a 2022 drink, not a... <laughs> 1886. 86 drink, you know. Yes, and, uh, you know, when we were <clears throat> coming over here, I was thinking about basically last the last case of Jack the Ripper and how some people thought that H.H. H. Holmes was Jack the Ripper right. or vice versa. But when I look at, you know, the years, he would have been in America killing before jack the ripper started killing 
1888. So I just right. don't see that because we know for a fact that H.H. H. Holmes uh, was arrested and killing in America at the time they would think that he was Jack, Jack the Ripper. Ripper. Yeah. So I don't even know why anything like that, you know, was going on. Just rumors. You know how they are. Or they just wanted someone because, you know, they had other three other suspects, which right. we both didn't think any of those matched. Right. Jack the Ripper. So now H.H. H. Holmes is considered America's first serial killer. And although he really. Yeah. Yeah. Now, hmm. there might be other serial killers, but he's considered like, I guess you would say the official serial oh. killer. Um, he did ki- kill a series of individuals, including children. But I actually don't agree that he's necessarily the traditional idea of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. I think he was more a common con artist and a swindler that killed more for uh, conning people and swindling than what we would consider, you know, like Ted Bundy, the um, Golden State Killer, etc. So, to me, a true serial killer murders for the thrill. And they like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there is a rumor that he did kill animals and torture them by practicing surgery on them when he was a kid. But I can't verify that. Wow. Um, and there's even a rumor that he killed a friend before he became an official, I guess you would say, killer. But the time frame that we're going to be at in this case is 1886. And you'll see what I mean as we go through the the case of H.H. Holmes, why I'm not sure he's necessarily a serial killer versus someone who killed a series of people, which people might think that's dumb. You know, why why are you differentiating? But you know what I mean? I do. Okay. And he, um, her cases that she gives, every time we do a podcast, I I don't even know what we're going to do till she says. Mm -hmm. So it's new to me, too. I've heard of him, though. But you've not really studied him? I haven't read... I hear it like Jack the Ripper. Everyone's heard of him. But I, I hadn't read anything on him in years and years and years. I hadn't heard of H.H. H. Holmes until I saw that History Channel uh, series I told about in part one of our Jack the Ripper, mm-hmm. where uh, they that man was related to H.H. H. Holmes, and he was trying to prove that H.H. H. Holmes was Jack the Ripper. But in 1886, guess what happened? What? The first Coca-Cola was sold. Really? Remember? back? Well, you wouldn't remember, well, obviously. Why would I remember? You know, I'm her mother, but... That would be quite obvious old. in 1886. Yeah, you'd well, be like, well, that's rough. Yeah, you'd be over a hundred years old. They say your kids have an underlying hatred for you. But I'm just saying, 1886. That was back in the day when they put cocaine in that sucker. You know oh, what yeah, I'm saying? That's true. And then I guess there was like to a get them addicted to it. Charleston earthquake mm-hmm. happened in 1886. Um, they were still robbing trains back in that day. The Statue of Liberty was uh, dedicated, so it was kind of an exciting year, it looks like. Uh, but H.H. H. Holmes, I'm going to bring up his picture. He handsome actually man. was not a bad-looking yeah, man, uh, even for then, um, which I don't know what that statement means, actually. Well, like, even for then. Like, am I saying that people were ugly you know, back then? No, but no. But a lot of people you see from back then, especially women, they didn't have makeup. Yeah, a lot very of them, plain very looking. plain looking. And the haircuts weren't the best. You know, and just actually, saying. That there mm-hmm. says is uh, you can get these pictures on uh, outlineofamurder.com dot mm-hmm. where that picture where he's in the hat and all dressed up, sort of grinning. That was his mug shot. That was his mug it shot. Says right here. Yeah. 
Wow, he that sure did dress up shot. for that mugshot. Yeah, unless they, you know, Wearing arrested him. And, you know, when he was trusted. Wow. Up. And look at it, a little grin. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. It says there, mug shot. Very interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. 1895. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get some background on H.H. H. Holmes. He was born May 16th, mm-hmm. 1861, as Herman Webster Mudgett. Now, I have a theory of why people turn into killers. Don't don't say it. It's a ridiculous In name. In case someone has the name, too no, late. No, if you have Mudgett, you need to change your name. Right. Mudgett. <sighs> he was born in Gilmanton, North at New Hampshire, to Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodate. Theodate? Theodate. Page Price. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. His parents were descended from the first English immigrants in the area. Mudgett was the third child of five kids. His family were devout Methodists. He was an intelligent child, and he graduated from Phillips Exeter Academy at the age of 16. Uh-huh. He was teaching, or he took teaching jobs in Gilmanton and later in nearby Alton. On July 4th, 1878, he married Clara Lovering in Alton. Clara came from a well-to-do family. Uh, His father-in-law would pay for his education. They had a son, Robert Lovering Mudgett, on... (laughs) That name. That reminds me of that, isn't it a porridge? (laughs) Sorry. Some kind of porridge. Close to that? I have no idea. Uh, They married or Mm -hmm. had the son on February 3rd, 1880 in Loudoun, uh, New Hampshire. Robert became a certified public accountant and served as city manager in Orlando, Florida, which I thought was interesting. So that's the son. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, in... uh, You know, he was married four times. Yeah, there's a little bit of some discrepancy there, which we'll get into. Are you reading ahead of the case no, while I'm, I'm trying looking, to talk? No, but I'm looking. When I looked earlier. You're supposed earlier, to be. What are you doing? You know, on his schooling, mm-hmm. for his profession, which you'll get into, school from 1879 to 1880, and then 1882 to 1884. Mm-hmm. Go right ahead. Thank you. You're welcome. He enrolled <laughs> at the University of Vermont at the age of 18, mm-hmm. but he didn't like it. So he quit after a year. Is that that's probably what you see there? He then entered uh-huh. the University of Michigan, uh, their Department of Medicine and Surgery, and he graduated June 1884. Mm-hmm. When he was a student, he worked in the anatomy lab under Professor William James Herdman, the chief anatomy instructor. Okay, they were there were allegations back at that time that both he and the professor were engaged in grave robbing. To supply medical cadavers. Later, Holmes admitted to also using cadavers for insurance fraud schemes. So, back in that day, before um, the grave robbing, like people that died, they would use their bodies sometimes, you know, for medical purposes to right. learn anatomy, etc. Which I can see that would be important. Then I think they outlawed it, if I'm not mistaken. So if any of our listeners, you can go to outlineovermurder.com or our Instagram and Facebook pages and Give me some data or information if you have it. But I think they outlawed that where you couldn't just take a body. You had to have like consent or something like that. And people Mm -hmm. thought it was sacrilegious. I could see that, though. And so there was a shortage of cadavers for medical research. And so basically people started stealing dead bodies, Mm -hmm. robbing graves. 
we see that at a very young age, he's already in a life of crime Mm -hmm. with his professor. And then also insurance fraud, which would be a continual theme throughout his crimes. So he graduated medical school Mm -hmm. in 84. 1884. Mm -hmm. And he attended 82. So back then, I guess they didn't need as much time. Right. Yeah. Now, Holmes was violent. So that's another sign of potential crime. Uh, he was violent with Clara. So before he graduated, uh, she moved back to Nor- uh, New Hampshire with her son. Mm-hmm. She really didn't know much about him after. Supposedly, he filed for divorce and accused her of adultery, but nothing was ever proven and the divorce was dropped. He never divorced her, but he did oh. marry other women. Clara didn't know anything about the allegations that she was unfaithful. I'm not even sure she knew about the divorce filing. Like, basically, it sounds like she left him because he was violent and went back home to her family and never saw him again. Exactly. After he graduated, he moved to Moore's Forks, I guess, New York, where uh, now while he was there, a little boy went missing that had been seen with him. No investigation was started. Holmes claimed that the little boy went back home to Massachusetts, but Holmes left town soon after. Oh. He traveled to Philadelphia and worked as a keeper at Norristown State Hospital for a few days. He then worked at a drugstore, but a boy died after taking medicine that he purchased there. He denied involvement, but immediately left the city headed to Chicago. Wow. It's no at- wonder two years of education. Medical. And then at this point is when he changed his name to H.H. Holmes to avoid detection of previous scams. Plus, Mm. who wants Mudget, right? Right. So, again, if you have that name, seriously, you can. it's a very easy process to change your name. He picked the name Holmes, get this, as homage or homage to Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who wouldn't Mm -hmm. love Sherlock Holmes? So, already we have two deaths surrounding this man. We've got a little boy. That goes missing and one that dies from medicine that was purchased there, which I'm sure back in that day at a pharmacy, you know, that could be a little bit crazy. Like, I'm, you know, medicine was fairly new. It was crazy, yes, dangerous, probably bit. in yeah. surgery. But he might have killed him on purpose, too. Right. On October 5th, 1889, Holmes married Murda Belknap in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They had a daughter, Lucy Theodate Holmes who was born on July 4th, 1889. And never got divorced. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this is ironic, because that's the same date he married Clara. Oh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yep. Lucy later became a school teacher. Holmes lived with both of them in Wilmette, Illinois, but spent most of his time in Chicago tending to business, which include marrying another lady, Georgiana Yoke, on January 17th, 1894, in Denver, Colorado. So at this point, he has three wives, Clara, Murda, and Georgiana. And two children. Mm-hmm. With weird names. He is a handsome guy. I mean, I could see the attraction if you didn't, And you he know. was also like a typical con artist and psychopath, yeah. very charming. And he knew like how to love bomb, how to really, like we watched on that Tinder swindler, yes. how to really, uh, I guess, reel them in, so to speak, quickly. On uh, uh, August, so in August of 1886, Holmes set up business in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He got a job at Elizabeth S. Holton's drugstore on the corner of South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd in Inglewood. Holton, the owner, gave him a job. He eventually bought the drugstore. 
there are rumors that he killed the owner and his wife. So this is a first myth because there's a lot of rumors and a lot of uh, wrong information on this case, just like you know, Elizabeth Short's case, people just make up stuff, right? So that you didn't find anything about a murder they with They survived the, well into the 20th century. They did? Yes. So maybe just a rumor. Yep. So they did not die uh-huh. uh, at the hand of H.H. H. Holmes. Uh, and not only that, but both Holton and Holmes were Michigan alumni, alumni. So they were close in age, and they also seemed to be really good friends. Okay. Holmes purchased the empty lot across the street and began uh, construction for a two-story mixed-use building in 1887. There were apartments on the second floor and retail spaces, including a drugstore on the first floor. He never paid his bills, and he would switch up workers and contractors all the time to confuse who did what and keep creditors off his back. Wow. Interestingly, one creditor, John DeBrule, died of opposition apoplexy a sudden artery burst on april 7th in the drugstore hmm that's sort of suspicious or am i saying that because he is a well and we don't know if he had anything to do with the death but i thought that was interesting or maybe he got so mad he like literally popped a artery you know uh i wonder how if they did autopsies thorough autopsies back in the 1800s i'm not sure i think so it was pretty thorough these are the floor plans of the second and third floors of what they started calling the Holmes uh, Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Let me find a picture of it. Here it is. So this is the mm-hmm. original uh, right here. Okay. That whole building he mm-hmm. built? He did. Uh, now, or had built? That's a big building. So again, he like switched up contractors, switched up suppliers so that they you know were all confused because he didn't plan on paying any of them any money and but by the time he fled chicago he had 50 lawsuits against him wow and in spite of all of this he had started on the third floor uh but you know he wanted to rent out rooms for the world's fair but construction was never completed Mm -hmm. now the world's fair is um white city so the book the devil in white city i think is the name of it it's a very um, it's like scholarly, by <laughs> Eric extremely Lawson. detailed right. book, and I read it. Uh, and a lot of women went missing during the World Fair. Wow! So they're thinking he might have been responsible, but they were never able to tie him to those killings. If he was responsible for those killings, and he is a true serial killer. If mm. he wasn't, then he is just someone who killed for convenience. Mm. Now, they began to call this building the Murder Castle. And before we dive further into him and his crimes, I came across reports that all of the rumors of the so-called Murder Castle were not true. Really? There, mm-hmm, there were no torture chambers, dead bodies, gas rooms, safe rooms to smother victims, and all of the other stuff that they were instead sensationalized news reports, which were very Again. common back then. right. They also said that he did not build it or add a third floor to lure victims there. Some say that the only victims were those he knew. And how do they know? Well, and you know, I mean, really, what evidence is there that was all right. fabricated? So I'm not ready to dismiss the murder castle and the fact that it might have been built to make murdering more convenient. Uh, but if anybody has any insight, I would love it if they could share it. 
at outlineovermurder.com or our um, social media because I'm really curious about it. He did have to have somewhere to go to kill his victim. Which he had plenty of rooms. So he had plenty of room in there. Well, he had the pharmacy downstairs and then Mm -hmm. he had rooms to let out. Uh, and, and living areas, and then he was building the third floor for the people that came to the uh, White City, the World mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fair. So I don't know, again, if his motives were to do that or if people just wanted to make it even worse than it was. Mm-hmm. But it was gutted by fire. Um, we don't know who did it. It was an unknown arson uh, arsonist that caught it on fire. It was later largely rebuilt, and it's used as a, it was used as a post office until... Uh, 1938 when was the fire uh i'm not sure i, I, I mean i wonder i'm curious how long after he built that when the fire was could have been a disgruntled worker that he never paid since he changed around so much it could have been or maybe people didn't want a reminder of how horrific he mm-hmm. was uh, he did, did have it. a one-story factory that he claimed he used for glass bending and there was a furnace in it but there's no record that he bent glass, and so they're wondering if he actually disposed of bodies. Mm. Okay, now we're going to get into the murders, okay? So Holmes confessed to 27 to 29 murders, but they were able to discount uh, some of those because they were alive at the time of his so-called right, confession. right. And again, that is a typical killer where they're like wanting to blow up, you know, how many people they killed for fame. Or it could have been... They were on his list. Yeah, but still, I mean, they're alive. So he's confessing to something he didn't do. We've got nine that are confirmed. Mm. He was convicted of only one. All of his known victims were people he befriended or romanced before murdering them for greed. Wow. Holmes came off as debonair and uh, charismatic, like many psychopaths. And that helped him get away with murder and also helped him get out of paying his debt at times. He was able to con women in particular, but he also elicited a lingering unease with other people. They they felt it. They felt something was wrong. Something was off. Mm -hmm. Now, his first probable victim, uh, or his first victim is probably, because they're not sure which one was first, but they think it was Julia Connor. Julia Connor and her husband, Alex, worked in Holmes Drugstore. They shared a daughter uh, named Pearl. It appears the little family lived in the castle. Julia and Holmes started an affair. Oh. So her husband quit his job, and he left Chicago and his wife and daughter there. That's sort of unheard of back then, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A little bit. Do you have a picture of her? I thought I did, but I'm not seeing it here. You oh, might okay. you probably Google it. Julia Connor and H.H. Holmes. It might come up. Um, but I I don't know. The idea of leaving my daughter with his mom and this guy I don't know very well, I don't think I would have been able to do that. But, you know, that tradition was probably that the children stay with, stay the, with mothers. the mothers. Mm-hmm. They were last seen alive Christmas 1891. It appears that after their disappearance, Holmes paid a man, yes, that's her, paid a man to remove the skin of a corpse and articulate the skeleton for a local medical school. The corpse was a female who was unusually tall. Julia was six foot tall. Oh, she was? Mm Mm-hmm. That's sort of unusual back then. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So the identity of the corpse has never been confirmed, but it is intriguing. Mm-hmm. So this takes us to the fact that he kills this lady that he was he seduced with the little girl. Uh, a man is paid to uh, make the skeleton, which he then sells. So money is the motive. In May 1892, Emmeline Sagran began working for Holmes. She disappeared in December. Another neighborhood girl by the name of Edna Van Tassel vanished around the same time. In the meantime, he became friends with Benjamin Petezel, whom uh, when he placed an ad looking for carpenters. Benjamin was an alcoholic and petty criminal. They were close friends, if that's even possible for someone like Holmes to be, because he was his right man for several crime scenes. So back to Julia, they don't know where the daughter went. They just know they last saw them on Christmas, and they were very excited for a fun Christmas the next day with Holmes. Well, he says he poisoned Pearl. Probably. Can you look up Benjamin? Uh, you'll probably want to see him because he'll come up over and over. Benjamin. Mm-hmm. And then Petetzel is P-I-T-E-Z-E-L. Because he will be a main uh, character in the crime story. Yep. Looks like an actor. And he was handsome as well. Yeah. So in early 1893, a one-time actress, Minnie Williams, moved to Chicago where she met Holmes. He offered her a job at his hotel as his personal secretary. Williams owned some property in Fort Worth. Holmes, yep, convinced her to sign over the property to him, and he later transferred the deed to Patezel. Minnie's sister, well, let me backtrack. Holmes and Williams were acting like a married couple, and they rented an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. Minnie's sister, who was uh, skeptical of Holmes, came to visit. So she wanted to check this guy out. And I've got their pictures here. So this is Minnie, and that is her sister. So she comes to, you know, check things out. Well, Holmes soon won her over as well. Oh. And she wrote home that she and Minnie were going to accompany, quote, Brother Harry to Europe. Neither sister was seen alive after July 5th, 1893. So we've got Minnie and Nanny Williams were their names. And I think they're pretty, too. Some people uh-huh. said that Minnie wasn't that pretty and that she was um, slightly overweight. But I don't see that she is unattractive no, um, or overweight. So I'm not sure where that came from, uh, which it really doesn't matter as far as a weight thing. But she no. doesn't look like she's, you know, Whether she ogre. was or not, they're attractive. Yeah, especially her sister. I yeah, think her sister's think really pretty. So okay, so they disappeared July 5th. The World's Fair opens in 1893 in Chicago to celebrate the 400th year since Columbus discovered America. They actually wanted to outdo France. That's what kicked oh, off the yeah. whole city. It attracted thousands to Chicago between May and October. Holmes might have opened up his castle for visitors, and there were ads he placed naming the castle the World's Fair Hotel. There's a very long list of missing persons by the time the fair was over. So did Holmes have anything to do with that? We don't know for sure. But more than 50 of the reported missing were last seen at the castle. 50? Wow. 
And we also know that he attended the fair with Patezel's children, which we'll get into later. It's interesting, 50 are missing. You'd think there'd be some sign. No, there's sign. more than 50 missing, but 50 of the missing right. were the seen castle. at the castle. I mean, that's a lot of people to try to find a place to get rid of the body. So that then leads credence to possibly he had the murder castle mm-hmm. where he could do that versus he would dispose of the bodies elsewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. On August 13th, 1893, the third... Oh, here it is. The third floor... Oh, no, no, no. No, no. It's not the the one that demolished the murder castle. So a the third floor of the hotel caught fire. Only a few people were in the building at the time, and they got out. He filed insurance claims on the several policies he had taken out in the building, but they sued him rather than paid him. So Holmes promptly left Chicago in July of 1894, and then he reappeared in Fort Worth looking to build on Minnie's land. I must say he started the fire. I think so. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. for the insurance fraud. Because, that, again, that's a pattern from his very very early age. He would do insurance fraud. And they sued him. I mean. They probably suspected. Yeah. During that same month, uh, May, month he was arrested and briefly incarcerated for the char- charge of selling mortgage goods in St. Louis, Missouri. So now he's out west, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is where it gets a little interesting. So what I'm about to read is from Wikipedia, and it is like a twisting tale, okay? Now, this may not be all fact. Wikipedia no, this sometimes. Is, yeah, they can have some stuff, they, but yeah. it's pretty, but pretty pretty close. Close, because the other accounts say basically the same thing. But okay. I, I had to figure out who all these people were. So, while he was in jail for selling mortgage goods, which I don't even know what that means, um, in St. Louis, he struck up a conversation with a guy named Marion Hedgepeth. He was serving 25 years, okay? He was known as the Handsome Bandit, the Debonair Bandit, the Derby Kid, and the Montana Bandit. He was a famous... Uh, Wild West outlaw, Marion M A R I O N, and then Hedgepeth, H E D G E P E T H. All right. He had dark complexion, wavy hair, and he was six foot. Oh, yeah. Well, I could see where he would have been yeah. debonair. The Derby kid wearing that Derby in his yeah, picture. All his pictures except a few, but he has yes, the Derbies. Yes. So he would, um, the hair, seriously. Why did anybody think that was a good idea? Man, now you got me all distracted. He He was also a hired gun. So people would hire him and he would go um, from town to town. Um, He was a fastidious, gentlemanly appearance of a dandy, sporting a bowler hat and diamond stick pin. Wanted posters noted that his shoes were usually polished. 
He was arrested at the age of 15 after he and Henry Sanders robbed the general store and prairie home in 1880. In November of 1883, he was sentenced to serve a 10-term of seven years in the Missouri State Penitentiary in Jefferson City, Missouri, on charges of larceny and jailbreaking. He was then discharged in February of 1889. He lived for a while in Kansas City, Missouri, mm-hmm. which was very lawless and, you know, is a Wild West back then, in an area known as seldom seen because police were seldom seen there. <laughs> is that really true? Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. And then he became a member of the famous Style Wilson uh, gang of safe blowers and highwaymen. Okay. On November 3rd, or 30th, 1891, Hedgepeth and the other members of the Sly Wilson gang uh, which later be- became uh, known as the Hedgepath Four, mm-hmm. robbed a train of twenty thousand wow. dollars in Glendale, Missouri, near St. Louis. Which that would Back have been then, a lot that, of money. Yeah, a lot of money. The gang fled to Salt Lake City and disbanded after being relentlessly pursued by the Pinkertons. He was finally arrested on February tenth in San Francisco and then brought back to Missouri for trial. So that's how he met uh, Holmes. He was sentenced to 25 years, and then Hedgepath, before he got sent to state prison to serve his term, right. informed uh, on a former cellmate whom he knew as H.M. Howard, but was really Herman Webster Mudgett, oh. better known as H.H. Holmes, which eventually led to Holmes' uh, capture really? and arrest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an amazing story in that book, um, Devil in White City Goes Through It. Uh, he's only served 14 years of his 25 term, and he was released sick, sick with tuberculosis oh. and looked like a skeleton and appeared like he was 60. But he was later arrested in 1907 for the burglary of a storage house in Council Bluffs, Iowa. So, you know, um, I they guess once the, you yeah. know, criminal, always. Uh, he was then shot and killed later by an Edward Jaburek on December 30th, 1909, during a botched uh, Chicago salon robbery. Yeah, he was only in his 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so now, back mm-hmm. to the um, whole breakdown of this. So now we know okay. who Marion Hedgepeth is. Yes. Derby, whatever. Killer. The debonair, whatever he was. Derby, yes. Okay, Derby, whatever. I already forgot. So while they were in jail... Mm-hmm. Holmes and Hedgepeth concocted a plan for Holmes to take out an insurance policy on himself for $10,000 and then fake his death. He promised to pay Hedgepeth $500 in exchange for the name of a lawyer who could be trusted with their scheme. Hedgepeth gave him the name of Jephthah Howe, and Holmes began planning his own death after he was released on bail. The plan failed. And the insurance company refused to pay. He didn't press the claim, but decided to recruit his friend, Benjamin Patetzel, to fake his own death so that his wife could then collect $10,000 of life insurance and then he would split it, she would split it with Holmes and the attorney. They decided to execute their plan in Philadelphia. Patetzel was to set himself up as B.F. Perry, Mm -hmm. an inventor, and then be disfigured and killed in a lab explosion. Oh. Holmes' job was to find an appropriate cadaver to replace Patetzel. Instead, Holmes killed his only friend, Benjamin Patetzel, by rendering him unconscious with chloroform and then setting his body on fire. You know, I knew that was going to happen. I I was just thinking that. 
Killers never have no, friends. Never. Never. <laughs> I mean, it's like trying to tame a tiger. No. I know? knew that. I, I had a film. Yeah. Okay, so Holmes collected the insurance, but Patetzel's wife had no idea that her husband had been murdered. So, yeah, but wasn't the um, insurance policy go to the wife? So how did he collect it? He got another woman to say he was the wife, maybe? That that drink good? is disgusting. It's very good. I obviously am not a bartender. You've done good so far. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's a good question because she thought he was hiding in London. But if she got the money, then how did it? So she, yeah, maybe she, she carried out her end of the bargain. Maybe she did. Well, if she didn't know you he know was what? dead or where he was. Well, and Holmes no, collected no, Holmes the money. Holmes told her that he was hiding in London for a while until everything settled down. But we know that they did have to meet at one point post Benjamin's death because Holmes manipulated her into letting three of her children, the middle three of five, Howard, Nellie, and Alice, to travel with him throughout the northern U.S. and into Canada. And why would you do so that? So probably during that time when he got the three kids, she gave him his... I don't... You know what? But I don't know you think later. then she would blow the whistle because and say she he stole the money or that... She kept, well, no, because she was part of the fraud. So I think she would definitely be nervous saying that she was part of it. But I think she always did wonder where the money came from. I, we'll see if it's in my notes. Okay. But here's the thing. Like you said, first of all, what would possess you to let a man who's obviously a fraudster take mm-hmm. your children? Why three would he want to take three of your five children? Why would he do that? Wonder what his reasoning was to her. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is that maybe it was like an the- insurance policy for him that he would have leverage having three of her kids. Oh, that yeah, if she for him. ever got out of, you know, hand. And the only thing I can think of for her is maybe he said he'd take the kids to Benjamin and then get them later. Well, maybe so. But if he was gonna take the kids, why didn't he take her too? Well, that would be suspicious if he takes her. If no one's looking, if she disappears. But they just did an insurance claim, though. Yeah. So that'd be suspicious. All of a sudden, she disappears. You know, like I could see where you would need to maintain as normal an appearance as possible. Mm -hmm. But I don't get the kids thing. I've never gotten it. Hmm. I've watched, you know, documentary after documentary. I've read the book. I've done research. I do not know why he would want to take those kids. That's interesting. So then maybe this is where the whole serial killer comes from, that maybe he was a true one and not just for fraud. I don't know. It's really weird. But at this point, he's got three of her five kids, and she thought her husband was still alive, and he was in London laying low until they would then get him after everything, you know, just in case the insurance company was suspicious. She probably let him go on the promise to see the father. Maybe. What else could it be? I mean, that's the only logical thing. What did happen is it started a wild goose chase where she was going from town to town trying to find him and her kids because she was suspicious and she was frantic for her husband and her children. And so she, she, sometimes she would literally be staying at a place 
blocks away from where he was with oh, her children. Oh, crazy. And he actually sent her on a lot of the goose chase. We're here, we're there. And so she would go to those towns, and she's trying to find her kids, and she would literally be blocks away and have no idea. Hmm. Now, little Alice, one of the kids, wrote her grandparents at she, Detroit, Michigan, October 14th, 1894. Dear Grandma and Grandpa, Hope you are all well. Nell and I have both got colds and chapped hands, but that is all. We've not had any nice weather at all. I guess it's coming winter now. Tell Mama that I have to have a coat. I nearly freeze in that thin jacket. We have to stay in all the time. Howard is not with us now. We are right near the Detroit River. We was going a boat riding yesterday, but it was too cold. All that Nell and I can do is draw, and I get so tired sitting that I could get up and fly almost. I wish I could see you all. I'm getting so homesick that I don't know what to do. I suppose Wharton walk by this time, don't he? I would like to have him here. He would pass away the time a good deal. Yours truly, E. Alice Potetzel. Until next time, XOXO, Kate. What does she mean he isn't there, like, at that time, or he just left him? He might have been out on an errand or something, or maybe he left him with someone else. I'm not sure. Wow. But here's a picture. I think I've got one of the kids. I think I saw one. There you go. There they are. Wow. Look, cute little kids. I don't like the caption, though. Well, he murdered the two little girls. By forcing them into a large trunk where he drilled a hole and attached a gas line to asphyxiate them. He burned their nude bodies in the cellar of his rental house in Toronto. A fabulous bulldog of a detective traced Holmes and unraveled the winding trail, and he's the one that discovered the bodies. He found them buried in the basement, and he then followed Holmes to Indianapolis, where Holmes had previously rented a college. So he's like, kind of like behind him on the trail. But this detective is phenomenal. The fact that he found the girls is unbelievable. I mean, in the book, it it talked about that, and I'm like, man, this is a top notch detective. So I don't want to jump ahead with a question, but. What happened to the boy? Well, he learned that Holmes had visited a local pharmacy when he went to Indianapolis, <clears throat> and he located the cottage that he had rented, and I guess at the local pharmacy he had purchased drugs, and the detective had an idea they were probably used to kill the little boy. He had also visited a repair shop to sharpen some knives, knives that he used to chop up the body before he burned it. So the boy's teeth and bits of bone were discovered in the home's Mm. chimney, which I have a picture of the teeth. That's terrible. Mm -mm. So those are the teeth of little Howard found in the ashes. Yeah, to let him have the little boy look so young. The girls were older, Mm -hmm. but the little boy. Mm -hmm. He was little. I mean, I don't know. And again, I don't know his motive of having the little boy, and I don't understand his motive, uh, the mother's motive. I mean, all of it's just a mystery to me, and I don't get it at all. Now, in the meantime, remember Marion Hedgepeth, Mm -hmm. Derby dude? He is mad. He did not receive any of the money, and so he told the police about Holmes and his plan. The authorities intensified their search for Holmes. He was finally arrested in Boston, Massachusetts on November 17, 1894, after being tracked there from Philly by the Pinkertons. He had an outstanding warrant for horse theft in Texas. Wow. And was held on that. So that was a 
Wasn't that a capital punishment crime back in the day? I don't know, but you know, it's 2022. Do you know you can still be prosecuted for that? I bet. When a guy in one of my stores was prosecuted for stealing cattle. Mm-hmm. He got 35 years. Good. Recently. But yeah. they let him out because he's sick. Yeah, you definitely... But I didn't know they still oh, prosecuted absolutely. for wrestling. Well, and even back in that day, you know, your horse was your life. Mm-hmm. If That was your transportation. Right. If you didn't have a horse, you could end up stranded somewhere and die. It's not like today where you can, you know, text someone or call someone. So mm-hmm. it was a big deal. Now, Holmes at first tried to say that he knew nothing about the insurance fraud, but he, over time, he had to brag about his crimes. Yeah. So he talked about killing 28 people. While incarcerated, he was paid $7,500 by the Hearst Papers for his confession. Some say it was $10,000, but $7,500 would be $216,000 today. And everyone knows who the Hearsts are. Mm -hmm. They had the money, too. Mm -hmm. And they're pretty crooked, weren't they, as far as their Uh newspaper and stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, Much of it was lies. And he would claim innocence and then later say he was possessed by Satan. Yeah. Don't they always say that? You know, if they just keep their mouth shut. But there are some killers that do mm-hmm. to their death. Mm-hmm. Keep their mouth shut. Yeah. Now, here's a direct quote. Quote, I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than the poet can help the inspiration to sing. Wow. I was born with the evil one standing as my sponsor beside the bed where I was ushered into the world. And he has been with me since. Wow. Okay. That's just crazy. So we know he killed several ladies. Mm-hmm. He killed Benjamin. He killed uh, the three two uh, little girls kids. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and wasn't there two kids before well, that? Well, they could never tie him to those two. Oh okay, so three kids. Mm-hmm. And, yep, and yeah. six adults. Now back to the murder castle, real quick to finish. Here's some accounts, but again, I just don't know if these are credible or sensationalist, right? Right. Okay, so I'm reading this. Um, The ground floor of the building was divided into ordinary retail spaces, including a jewelry store, pharmacy, blacksmith shop, barber, and restaurant. The third floor consisted of apartments, offices, and homes living quarters. But on the second floor and basement, they discovered an elaborate house of horrors. The second floor was a maze of some 35 small windowless rooms, stairs, and doors that led nowhere. False partitions, trap doors, secret passageways, and a staircase that opened uh, out over a steep drop to the alley behind the house. There were also trap doors and dumbwaiters enabled him to move the bodies down to the basement. Some rooms were soundproof and had peepholes enabling homes to monitor their interiors. Others were connected to a gas line that uh, where victims could be asphyxiated. The mm. basement held a crematorium, a blood-spattered dissection table, vats of acid, surgical implements, various jars of poison, pits of quicklime, and torture devices attached to the walls. Holmes is thought to have stripped many of the bodies down to their skeletons in order to sell them for medical study. Not only did they find the equipment to produce evil, but they also found large quantities of human bones, tufts of hair, blood-stained linen, and pieces of clothing that appeared to have been hastily concealed. Portions of bodies were so badly dismembered and decomposed that it was hard for them to determine exactly how many bodies there really were. Wow. 
So, I mean, it sounds pretty credible. And I was surprised in my research to learn that some people think there was no such thing. I know. That's what I was going to say. Didn't you say at first they said there wasn't any of that on there, mm-hmm. in there? Yeah, and then they don't know if they were sensationalized. But here's my thought. How can you for sure say there wasn't? You know what I mean? Like, but, you're yeah. just speculating. Especially a serial killer. That had to be somewhere. Somewhere he killed, where he went, where he disposed. And Seems obviously like he, he sold skeletons. Yeah, sold some, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of a fire. And I think you know, this guy a lot of the bodies. had no soul. I mean, he killed children fine. He had no problem killing children. That's terrible. I mean, killing is bad enough, but children? It just, you know, that maybe, really gets to me Maybe at times. he could experiment more on them. You I know what know. I mean? Because they were little. And I still don't know why he took them. She ha- he, he had to have told her. That's the only thing. I'm going to take them to your husband. Yeah, but, but I, I want them. to know his motive. Why did right. he take the, the kids? To kill. Well, maybe what you're saying is he had to take them to pacify her. I'm taking the kids mm-hmm. to your husband. Yeah, maybe so. Mm-hmm. There had to be something that served him well to take those three kids. You know, so it, there had to be something where he could get away with what he was Sympathy doing. Sympathy is charm. I need a place to stay. or I, Who knows? Mm-hmm. And, and kill them when they were no longer useful. Well, and like most arrogant you know, killers, he uh, was his own attorney. Of course. He was found guilty. He was sentenced to death for the murder of Benjamin Patetzel only in eighteen ninety five. I don't get that. Well Why they don't not have the proof. Others? They don't have proof. They don't know where any of the other victims are. They don't have really any proof when it comes to the kids, I guess, or maybe they figured just, you know, giving him be hung for anyway. Benjamin he'd be hung. Right. Nowadays, they will try you in several states, Everyone. even with the death penalty. Mm-hmm. That way, if an appeal works, they can get you in mm-hmm. another state. Mm-hmm. So he was sentenced to death uh, in 1895. He appealed and lost. On May 7th, 1896, he was hanged in Philadelphia, but his neck didn't snap. Instead, he slowly suffocated to death, a death that took over 15 minutes. I have no sympathy. Nope. He twitched the entire time and was pronounced dead 20 minutes later. He requested that his coffin be contained in cement and buried 10 feet deep because he didn't want grave robbers to steal his body and use it as a cadaver like he had he done did. so many yeah. times. Yeah. Okay, so my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think Holmes was a typical psychopath, mm-hmm. narcissist, who worked harder to keep up with all his criminal activity than he did earning an I honest agree. living. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he killed 70, 27 people, though. Do you? I think it's a possibility it's just more. because of the World Fair. Well, that oh yeah, that's true too. I think he was highly intelligent. Yeah. That he probably had a high IQ. He liked the game. Mm. I do believe again he was a serial killer by definition, but you can see most of the killing was done for money. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely evidence he kind of liked it too. If you take in consideration the kids, yeah. And didn't you say he killed animals? Well, when he was young. Um, there were definitely, um, rumors that he would practice surgery on animals. Well, still. Right. Which is a, I mean, one of the signs of a psychopath. And yep. Killing animals as a child is definitely a sign of a serial killer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think my final conclusion is he was a poop bird. (laughs) You love that word. (laughs) A poop bird to her is, is a pretty... That's the worst, worst she can be. she could say. Right? And since I don't cuss, it uh-huh. has to be poop bird. Yeah. <laughs> well, since I occasionally cuss, um, I can't say what I think. So, 
<laughs> yeah, he's interesting. He was charming. He was just, I don't know, just, but children, that really gets me. me Adults too. do too, but children is just. And he also had the appearance of being well to do. Respectable. All the respectable, pictures show. Respectable. Right. Like, Did you drink all that drink? No, I did not. It's disgusting. Uh, but, you know, it's like he, again, he appeared to be a man of the world, a man mm-hmm, of means. Mm-hmm. I think he would have definitely been attractive, you know, to women. And he was yeah, able to lure them in. I could see that, in. though. And you, did you notice all the men or people he dealt with were attractive? Mm-hmm. You know, attractive people usually tend to have attractive people around mm-hmm. them. Yeah. I think, anyway. I don't know if that's an actual fact. But right. Pretty people would like to have pretty people around them. Right. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting case. So what do you think about the murder castle? Do you think it was built with all of the things in there for murders? No, and- but I I think there were some things in there. Okay. So I mean, maybe like 50-50, right? maybe. Couldn't, I mean, there, there has to be blueprints be or well, And we've got something. the blueprints right here. But... But hidden doors and none of the workers had said anything. You know what I mean? That we had to build hidden doors. Because he did change workers a lot. Well, they're saying that on here, they have them labeled like A and B are offices and bathrooms. These are closets. These are doors. So they go on down. Well, F is a trap door. H is a blind wall. Hmm. Um, Then J is Minnie Williams' room. Those are floor plans, too. T is another trap door. So... Yeah, there are well, trap doors that were found, and they labeled them. Like, you can look it up uh, and get the floor plans of the murder castle and see that there are trap doors in different areas. So Maybe I don't not know. as many, but yeah, there are. Maybe there's some truth to it, but it was exaggerated. I just yeah. can't. But those are the blueprints. I mean, to me, there would be more suspicion, like... Let me rephrase it. I would be more skeptical from those that say there's no evidence whatsoever that it was, you know, had some of the trap floors and false walls because they don't have any evidence to support that at all. They're just saying it's, you know, uh, sensationalism with the media. We don't know that. Well, these are floor plans. They're drawings. I don't know if they're necessarily, I mean, they're floor plans, but they're not blueprints, which blueprints are official, right? But yeah, I mean, they definitely, someone drew this out. And put trap doors in there and right. false walls. So huh. I, I, I'm like you. It may not have been as graphic as the media. You know, they may have sensationalized. Right. But I think he definitely made it where it would have been easy for him to kill. And then you have, um, this is his handwriting. Uh, or no, oh. I'm sorry. This is um, little Anne's. Uh, dear Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, and that's what she wrote to her grandparents. So sad. It is sad. So yeah, the the little kids murdering them is what I just cannot understand. No, and they were kids pretty. Never. I can't. I can't get it either. Me neither. Okay. So you know, sad news. We only have two more cases. And yes. uh, let's see. The next one is the London nude killer or Jack the Stripper. I just recently heard of that one. I know so, nothing about it. That'll yeah, be I interesting. I don't know anything about it, but I can tell you, do not go- Google London nude. No? Why? No. You will get all kinds of nude Londoners. Is that what you did? It was shocking. <laughs> and I immediately had to go out 
my now, eyes see, were seared now out of I my head. Google it. No, you do not. It's disturbing. So I always. Do you know how many people are probably oh my googling gosh. right now? So I search for Jack the Stripper. You can actually you get real crime, not your soul destroyed by doing the other. I could see your face. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? Ah!